Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Mean Green Nation podcast. Welcome to it. We are going to preview the game. With me, not usually, usually here for basketball season. Uh, Mr. Greg, how are you doing this fine Tuesday evening in late November? I'm doing fine. America just won in soccer. <laughs> Great yeah. day. So, fun fact. So, you know, like this is, uh, I'm, I'm going to the game, right? This is a preview podcast. We're going to preview the uh, UTSA game, championship game. That's happening this this weekend on Friday. Um, and I am flying down from MGN HQ here in the Middle West. I'm flying down here to San Antonio. I'm going to go to the game. I'm leaving Thursday afternoon. I'll be there Friday, and then I'm flying back Saturday. Now, unbeknownst to me, the USA is in that window. I looked at my plane ticket. I went to fly back. It's at 1010, and it lands at 1210, which is exactly the window in which the United States will be playing the Netherlands. Uh, so, you know, there you go. Um, fun stuff. Fun yeah, stuff. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Because I'm excited about uh, the chance at a championship. As Seth O'Trell said in his little uh, um, press conference, you know, that's why you play college football. So it's a championship. Yeah, that guy, he just he knows how to make everything super exciting. Uh, you know, old Seth. Well, his players love him, so obviously he <laughs> says something exciting in the locker room because they believe in what he says. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I was going to say. So, like, there's a couple things that are happening in the North Texas greater online fandom, which is not very big. You know, you always got to acknowledge that the online fandom is not a big representation of the broader group, the people that care. There's a lot of people that care and are not online posting their hot sports opinions. Um, but I thought it was kind of curious that people – we're on the Go Mean Green board posting, like, all right, who's going to be our next coach? As if the North Texas team was underperforming. Like, if it was like FAU out here, you know what I mean? It's not going bowling. Fired Willie Taggart. Or if it's like Charlotte, been terrible. Fired uh, Will Healy. As if it were, uh, you know, um, Louisiana Tech firing uh, old, you know, Skip Holtz and then and then hiring another coach to do the exact same thing. He's like, hey, coach, you're fired. You went 3-9. and Let's get this new guy in, and he'll go 3-9. and But we'll be excited about it. So, all that said, I, 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 I'm going to ask you this question: What is your just your gut feeling? Thumbs up, thumbs down. There are no other answers. I don't want nuance of Seth okay. Trill. As in, thumbs up, he's staying, and thumbs down, he's going. No, no, just your gut feeling of him. Like if I showed you a picture, you know, of Seth Trill, you know, <laughs> pacing on the sideline. <laughs> I couldn't do like a, a thumb in the middle. Well, is it like just slightly poisoned, slightly positive that angle? Is it? What I mean, is it leaning just a little bit up? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's slightly positive because I, you have to recognize the consistency, right? Obviously, it's not what we hope for as a fan base because you know, like he's getting paid large sums of money 
He has, you know, a large salary pool. Those guys are getting paid well. The resources have increased. But those those victories, those primetime victories over large programs, conference championships, bowl game victories, he hasn't really delivered that. So I think you have to acknowledge what he's done. He's put the program in a better place than it was when he when he got here. But you also have to acknowledge the other part that it's not where it should be based on how much he gets paid and the resources available to him. I think that's fair. I mean, I always think about um, some of the programs that fired. I think when I, you know, I'd say my earliest football consciousness. But, you know, I grew up in San Antonio, and I remember going to the Alamo Bowl, or, you know, just kind of go. And I remember seeing Nebraska v. Michigan State, right? And, you know, I had a good time with my dad or whatever. But uh, I remember that was a year that they fired... Um, was it Solich? Yeah, Frank Solich? Because they're like, yeah. yeah. And Nebraska nine win seasons are under, and then they proceeded to be terrible since that point on, right? Like they have not reached the heights uh, that they said that they were deserving of. And uh, you know, I, I think about Colorado too. I think they they fired that one coach there. Uh, you know, after he just was getting to, um, winning the East Division or whatever it was, the North Division of Big Twelve, and you know, not competing. Now Colorado is still just trying to, if they could get back to that point, they'd be happy. So I think there's a certain amount of, um, uh, and I think this is where Brett Vito comes from, of like appreciating where you are and not getting greedy all the time and enjoying the moment. So I've said on this show, on uh, versions of the show, maybe the, the single digit versions of the podcast, uh, episodes of the podcast, that I think that the most realistic hardware that we can expect from the program that we support with our time and our money is a conference championship. And I think it's not unreasonable to expect them to compete every three to four years. I used to say four all the time, but I think the transfer portal, um, just lots of other things have kind of increased that. I think you can compete right away for the most part, but, uh, but definitely every three years. That is, I think, realistic. And now I, I, I purposefully keep it nebulous. Like, what, is, what does compete mean? And because sometimes, you know, you can't control the other team, right? Whatever the other, like, North Texas was competing in 2017, 2018. But, you know, Lane Kiffin was there, and then he built up a little, a little monster in, in Boca Raton. And North Texas is the second best team. Now, do you blame Seth Luttrell for that? Do you say, well, you need to be doing the exact same thing? I don't know. I, I think it's reasonable, I think, um, to enjoy the football season if we're thinking about it in the conference championship game, we're think, talking about how we're going to beat this team, what the play, the, the playing implications are, what, the, you know, what does it mean for us entering the conference? I think that's enough entertainment to say, yes, we're competing. Good job, good effort. 2019, 2020, when they had the worst team, and we're like, I don't know, they can beat anybody on the schedule. That is not competing, and that's less fun. I don't want that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't yeah. mind a team that's like, you know what? They're not there, but we got a young quarterback, and he's he's building it. Or we got freshman corners. They're good and they're talented, but they're still making mistakes. They just need more snaps. I don't mind that. I don't mind them losing, but competing and like you know, one game they're hot, the next game they're cold just because they're young. Don't mind that at all. Uh, and I think we this season we got a little bit of that. Uh, one of the things on the game notes is that North Texas has the fewest senior starters uh, in the nation. It's like that. They only have four, um, and 
I think that's significant. You know, it's one. It's helpful that it's Manasseh Moser. I also think it's good that Seth Trill has them not. They're like one of the least penalized teams in the nation. I think that's a thing. Uh, I think all of that is colored in a bad way by Austin Donnie throwing eleven interceptions. <laughs> it's and throwing like a pick six per game. Yeah, I mean, those are not fun, and they make you feel like everything's awful. But that's what quarterback the, position the penalty, does. Do, right? The penalty thing is is significant because. That's been one of the complaints I think of fans in the past couple of years is like the undisciplined nature mm-hmm. of his teams. And, you know, for them to improve that much to be one of the least penalized teams, you know, that's, that's definitely a shout out to him and his staff. The senior thing, um, while they don't have a lot of seniors, this team does have a lot of experience playing football. There's yeah. a lot of experienced players out there. So it's not like they're, they're really that young. Yeah, they're just young in the terms of their grade level listed yeah. in the program. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't put a lot of stock in that. You know, whatever. Like, just being young doesn't mean you're better or worse. Just being old doesn't mean you're better or worse. There have been teams full of seniors that are undisciplined and are losing a lot of games. Um, this North Texas team and this conference is not super impressive from a large, you know, like. Just looking at all of college football. And that's fine. I don't care about that necessarily. Like, do I want it to be better? Of course I do. Do I want us to beat Memphis? Yes. Do I think that we should have put up a better fight against SMU? Of freaking course. Um, am I, for the most part, happy? I don't say happy, but uh, like satiated that we're in the conference championship of Conference USA, maybe the worst conference in the nation. Yeah. I'm fine with it. That's whatever. If you're going to be in the worst conference, fine. You better at least be the best team in the worst conference or the second best team as it is. Yeah, I mean, there's that feeling. I, I think if UTSA was a whole team and they, they weren't didn't have all the injuries that they did, you'd probably feel less good about yeah. this opportunity. But, you know, it... it it's a real chance. It's a real opportunity, one that North Texas should be able to compete with these guys. And and so I think that helps you feel a little bit better. Yeah, let's get a little bit more into the game in that uh, I think UTSA is a, they're like eight-and-a-half-point uh, favorites, um, and they opened it as, as like 12-point favorites. I don't think that's unfair. They're at home. They have experienced guys. They have a good coaching staff. Everything's going their way. Um, I think North Texas is in a better position than they would be otherwise. Like, consider, uh, what is it, UAB last year. They went to UTSA, and I thought they played them about as well as you can play them. Uh, I was at the game. I was covering for USA Report. And, um, like, I thought UAB came out with the best game plan. They ran it on them because they thought they could. They hit them with big plays down the field, and they played good defense. I thought they did a good job, and they basically had them beat until Frank Harris let a Miracle touchdown drive, and that included a, a, a Oscar uh, Cardenas catch uh, to win it. You know, and so when I saw that yeah. when North Texas ended up doing that in October twenty second, basically doing the same kind of deal, I was unsurprised. But then also like it's kind of like oh, I've seen this dude do this before. He's, he's you know Frank Harris is very good. Um, I think you could see UAB was a little uh, shaken. I would say like they were like nervous, but they were like oh, it's kind of loud in here. They made some of those kinds of mistakes. When I covered the conference championship game, Western Kentucky there, also wanted to see Bailey Zappi. I thought Western did as good a job as you could do 
But that first quarter, you know, there there's a times in there they were like, um, it's loud in here. We don't quite, you know, they kind of got caught up in it. North Texas has already been there. I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but it can get very loud in a dome. I've been to games in the dome, like football games, high school football games. I've been to Alamo Bowl. Um, I've been to concerts. I've been to stuff in the dome. It can get very loud because it's concrete. It's just echoing right back at you. I think one of the loudest concerts I've went to, I was like, this is maybe too loud because it's just echoing in my ear. Uh, and I don't <laughs> know if I could deal with this. Um, it can get very loud. And I think North Texas already experienced that. So they're going to be ready for that. And I think that that's, that kind of puts the squad in a little bit better position than other teams. Yeah, it's their second second game in a dome, really. Um, you know, you played UNLV in the Raiders Stadium. Well, that's I mean, it's a little bit more open, but it's still yeah. similar type of atmosphere. And and then obviously the game against UTSA earlier. So the crowd's going to play a major factor early in the game, right? I think we know it. Everybody knows it. They're going to be hyped. North Texas is going to bring a lot of fans, bringing the whole band down. Um, the atmosphere to start the game is going to be special for Conference USA standards. It, yeah. it should be a very special environment, which is is great. I think, you know, North Texas has the right people in the right places to overcome those type of things. You have a, a mature individual like Austin Ani, where, yes, he can throw interceptions, but I don't think the moment is going to rattle this guy, right? You know, he's 29 years old. And everybody loves to talk about it. But, I mean, I don't think that, you know, playing in the Alamo Dome at a Conference USA Championship in front of a bunch of people – is that big of a deal for him? It just doesn't seem like it, right? Yeah, I I think you're right there. I think I think Ani suffers from a, like a different kind of like, like he gets maybe too amped up and he throws the ball a little too hard. It's like a different thing for him. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he's gonna make the wrong decision. I, I mean, even if they do, do or he did, he already experienced that, right? He already misfired against Jair Shorter <laughs> in that first game twice in a row. Um, and so, you know, like, I think he's already said that you can look back at the film. He's like, look, I threw for 300 yards against his team. I know what's going to happen. Um, I played in cold. I played in hot. It's going to be a dome. I don't have to deal with the wet football like I did last week against Rice. So I think I, most of what I'm saying is like, I think we're saying the same thing. I think North Texas is going to come out a little bit better than they did, than they otherwise would, um, because they're used to the atmosphere. And I think that's a good thing. Um, Here's another note about the atmosphere. It is, you know, I, I, the conference championship game, they had 41,000 for it, for that West Kentucky game. It was rocking. It was loud. They were excited about it. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't remember the attendance number for the North Texas game uh, on October 22nd. It was like 22, 25, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But it's going to be loud. And I've been in that place when it's been 56. I've been in there when it's been 65,000 people. It's very loud. You look up and it's a wall of people. I think, you know, whether it's their fans or whatever, I think it's good for the program. Like, you know, you sign up for college football. You're watching the Red River, River rivalry. Can you say that? Red River <laughs> shootout, as I used to know it. Um, you know, you watch, you know, Texas OU. You watch, uh, you know, Alabama. You watch Tennessee. And you go, you see that, you see 100,000 people in there, 70,000 people cheering for it. And you're like, I want to go play there because I want to be a part of that. That looks like fun. And, you know, the reality is for every program, there's a lot of games where you look around and like, I think I can see my mom. And then 
20 seats between her and the next person. You know what I mean? And then that, yeah. That, yeah. And it's not just a Conference USA thing. It's There's a lot of stadiums like that. Um, and so <laughs> it's it's good to see that, right? You're going to be 50,000 people. You're like, this is what I came to play for. This is it. This is why I came to college and I wanted to do this. Here's the uniqueness of this game. If North Texas plays well, plays well early, plays well late, the players are going to hear it. It's not going to be like you're on the road at 70,000 people at Alabama and there's 100 fans, right? Hmm. There's going to be a couple thousand UNT fans there. And so if they play well, they're going to notice it. They're going to notice UTSA fans being quiet and they're found, and the UNT fans being loud. So that's going to make it a little bit even more unique. Yeah, there is nothing, nothing like shutting up a home crowd. That is, that's what, you know, it's not me. To, obviously, I've never done that. But uh, I'm talking with like a lot of pro athletes that say there's like, you know, there's 18,000 people and you hit a jump shot in their face and you look around and they're all like, oh, they're real sad. And then you hear them <laughs> like that. And so there's no greater feeling than that. Like, yeah, it's great to be at home and the whole crowd's like, yes, what a great. But it's better to see them all go, oh. And, and so here's the thing. Before we get into the actual game, because I was getting a little nervous about it. I was like, you know, looking at the film and kind of watching the other thing. I was like, ah, oh, this guy's good. Look at that defensive tackle just blowing up this run. And I was watching some of the run. I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to be on the field. And you'll be on the field too with me because uh, you're going to be covering it too. Um, that, you know, like I, you know, you're standing there and you're looking around and I can just see it. I had pictured I already saw UTSA celebrating and jumping up and down and high-fiving and stuff, and then the fans rushing the field, and you could just feel the gut punch. You're just like, oh, I can't believe we're watching them celebrate. And then you <laughs> see North Texas squad leave. But then, you know, I, was, I flipped it. I was like, you know what? It would be even better to see, like, Michigan going to Ohio State, to the, you know, and winning over there and seeing everybody quiet. Yeah, It will be that much better to see North Texas cheering. And like you said, 3,000 fans. I don't know if it's going to be that many, but the band playing. Um, you know, the, the the fight song and in that moment. And like you said, you're gonna hear people yelling obscenities <laughs> because what was it? Uh Varquez Gomes when he scored the touchdown. I was rewatching the game. He scored the touchdown, he runs into the end zone, and you could see the students leaning over and all flipping him off on the broadcast. They're like wah, wah, wah. That's that's good. There's there's gonna be nothing like that. And I don't think that um I was telling uh guys used to take pictures for us, right? I don't say his name on here, but um, uh, we were at the conference championship game. We watched the basketball one. We watched Marshall win in Frisco, and we we're like, you know what? This could be North Texas right here, and it would be just that much sweeter. Can you imagine? I didn't get to see it was a pandemic really. I didn't get to see North Texas win it in Frisco in person, um, but I imagine it was very special. You know, I, I watched UAB celebrate uh, this last year, and you know, so I, I, that's a little bucket list moment. I saw the Heart of Dallas Bowl. I had a little sports tear. I also drank too much that day, and I did rush the <laughs> field. Um, so I don't. I'm, I'm not going to be drinking for this one, but I won't rule out any sports tears. Um, I don't know. I'm not calling it. I just. I don't know. The moment might get you in that time. It's okay, is what I'm telling you. If you're there and you're like sports tears covered the USA champs, I can't believe it. It's it's a are, possibility. Are you are you going to run off with the pylon? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I think that somebody would probably tackle me or something i mean i don't know like what i think it's bad form you're covering the game to to take anything from it but i mean if somebody wants to give me a souvenir i'll take the souvenir um what you call me? uh somebody's trying to call me from my own phone one of my kids probably um what was i saying 
All right, so how do you get to that point, right? That's the goal, to celebrate on the Alamo Dome floor, on the field there, uh, talking to Judy, you know, Commissioner Judy. Either way, she's going to have to hand the Conference USA trophy to somebody that's going to leave. And I bet I, if, I bet the Conference USA had enough money, they'd just make a new trophy and say, we're not going to give, it's not going to be the same trophy. New, new season. <laughs> new, but they're going to have to hand it off to somebody that's not going to be there uh, to defend it. And, um, you know, it's going to be on CBS Sportsnet, all that whole deal. Um, I think the way to do that is very similar to what we saw last time. Seth Luttrell was like, oh, well, it's different teams, everybody's involved. And I don't think that's wrong, but I don't see a way that you can win this game without doing a version of that same game plan. Get to Frank Harris. Uh, you know, like, you're not letting them run, but if you're choosing the first priority, what do I stop? You stop the pass. You make them dink and dunk down the field. You don't let them throw it over the top. And you say, you can, you know, you're going to have to drive 11 plays, 80 yards every mm. time. Yeah, and then and then not make a mistake. Yeah. All right, I, I think what, what helps North Texas in this game, and wh- where you've watched them all year and the teams that they played, the teams that have been balanced, like an SMU, like a UAB, like a UNLV, that were able to be physical running the football, but also be dynamic passing the ball. Those were the teams that gave them trouble. UTSA, they've got issues on the offensive line. They're not really a good running team, but they're a really good passing team. Same thing with like Western Kentucky. They were a really good passing team, not as great running the ball. North Texas played well against both those teams. So if you're a UNT fan, you have to feel good about that matchup, right? Obviously, Frank Harris, incredibly difficult to stop, and you're not going to stop him throughout the whole game. But if UTSA cannot be balanced and they cannot run the football, then you have a really good shot. Now, I I think in the game that we played them that they eventually did do a pretty good job of running the football against us. Um, Yeah, I think that that concerns me a little bit. Um, I think that's a great point that you make, by the way. Um, They have a better, more explosive running back taking the, the, the carries now. It's a what's his name like Kavorian Barnes or something like that. It's number thirty-one. He played against North Texas, and they they like to hit him on the little outside zones. It was a little outside inside kind of deal. Brendan Brady was taking the inside carries, and you know they started driving and doing some things. From what I saw, and I, and I said I rewatched the game the other day. It was not a whole lot of fun. Actually, I stopped it before the last drive. Is what I did. I was like, well, okay, look at that. North yeah. Texas won. <laughs> Turn it <laughs> off. Um, that uh, uh, they did a good job. Like, no, like North Texas did a great job to start the game. Sack or well, interception, and then the next drive, sack. They got they sacked him twice, I think, on that drive. Uh, they they were really getting to him. They were confusing him, making him hold the ball. And so what what UTSA did was bring in another tight end, and then they started getting more leverage on some of their inside runs. And I don't know that North Texas has an answer for that because we saw UAB do something similar, and then they just kind of ran him over. We saw Rice get some good yardage against North Texas. And, you know, kind of do some good things. And, but I mean, I don't know. The question comes down to, like, do you put, a like, a stouter guy in there? And then who who is that going to be? I'd rather have uh, a Mason Richards in there than some guy, you know, just another defensive tackle. Another defensive which man. Which you don't even know if you're going to have that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, too, is that North Texas, maybe without Mason Richards, he was limping off the field, being carried. Uh, no pressure on his ankle. We have no idea. I know he was like his like knee was bothering him too, but he played lights out against UTSA last time. 
Um, there was a lot of good from a lot of spots. Deshaun Gaddy was real good against uh, um, Zakari Franklin, their number one receiver. He caught, he caught six passes, 21 yards, basically taking out the game. Right? He caught passes, but he didn't do nothing with it. Um, Ridge Tejada got burnt by that one catch, but for the rest of that game, it was like five catches, 50 yards, not not a whole lot of nothing. And that guy's not going to be there. Is a Decorian, a.k.a. JT Clark. He's going to be gone. They have another dude that balled out against, um, he's like a four-star guy or something, Kellogg, something. he's like a hyphenated name. But he was going up against freshman corners last week. UTEP, right? You know, if you look at as bad as we looked against Rice, right? We're not scoring. It was 17-14. We're down. UTSA was down 24 nothing to UTEP, you know? Lowly UTEP that has one play, right, which is run up the middle. Um, and <laughs> run up the middle and throw it as deep as you can. And th- that was working for them. They were running against UTSA. They were hitting them on the long passes. I do not believe in the UTSA cornerback crew. I saw Western slice them up. I saw UTEP slice them up. North Texas obviously sliced them up. And if we can get Jair Shorter to catch the ball, uh, like, say, 60% of the time, I think we're in business. Uh, he, he only catches wide open passes. And the great thing, I guess the great thing about him is that he's wide open a lot. And so he can catch those wide open passes. But uh, he can be very frustrating because he's so good. Yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch is, is how UTSA defends us. Like, do they, do they attack downhill like they did the first game? Because, you know, you're, you're looking at the UNT roster and you're, you're seeing, you know, their running backs – have been depleted. So it's not the same running game that they had going into the UTSA game. So if you're the UTSA defensive coordinator, do I have to be as aggressive trying to stop the run early or can I kind of play both ends and, and take, try to take a little bit above the way or just, you know, live with a three yard run, two yard run and force you in third and longs and then do what we need to do with our pass rushers. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that is felt out early on in the game. I do. I'm with you on on liking the matchup of our playmakers on the outside versus their secondary, right? You know, shorter Burns. You know, they can have big games. The tight ends could have big games. Um, that's another matchup. Is like, does UTSA do they focus on taking away the tight ends from Austin Ani in the middle of the field because that's a huge pressure relief for him on third downs or yeah, specifically third downs. You know, he's looking for Gums. He's looking for Roberts. Do they try and take that away and force him to go somewhere else? So those, are gonna be, those are things on my end that I feel are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, like for a long time, we, we kind of, you know, I would joke and say, there's not a whole lot of times you go, you watch a game, you're like, they weren't ready for that Seth Trill offense. He's always got something for you. You know, like it's usually like, yeah, it looks like we, we came in with our playbook. They knew our playbook too. And we we're like, did somebody give them film of our team? Because they sure know our price. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit like that. So you know, I, I, what I liked, right, is that North Texas leading up to that game, that UTSA game, was hitting the tight ends, right? Little, you know, uh, little uh, RPO stuff. And then against UTSA, they had it ready. They were like, we're get, we got you. We're ready for gums. We're right here. And then he would peel off. And, you know, it turns out that was just uh, a wheel wrap. And then we'd hit him down the field. Um, that whole game, we had an answer for them. They they looked like they were ready to stop our our option one, and we were ready with option one A, option B, option two, and you know the Roman numeral one. 
we were ready with other things. And I, I thought that was fantastic. It was fantastic to see. Credit to Mike Blesh. Credit to Seth Luttrell. The team for executing it. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the tight ends for being so versatile that North Texas can stay in their big sets and still get big plays, big plays out the passing game. Um, I, I think Ikaka Ragsdale is going to be crucial. He's their best passing running back. And uh, he's going to be asked to be a feature back in this one. Like, you know, like um, I think I saw a day he was on the roster. I think if he's in there, he's going to get like five carries maybe. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It, there's a rhythm thing there. It's going to be Ragsdale. It, it's his time to shine. He had like 100 the other day. But it, it, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, and he's going to be asked to catch more touchdown passes <laughs> the way he did against Rice. He caught two, but only one counted. And um, – he did good against Western. Yeah. I like him a lot, and it's you know he's going to be the guy. He doesn't have the vision as the other backs do. Like he he's missed some opportunities. He's missed some mm-hmm. holes, some cutbacks that you know Attaway um, might have seen. Uh, but you can't argue that you know his toughness, right? He's he's an in between the tackles type of runner, and in this type of game, that's probably what you're looking for from UNT because the yards are going to be tough to come by. For for me, I'm wondering if Seth Luttrell and his staff are they going to throw some wrinkles in there in this game? Because I think you you have to at this point if you want to establish the run against UTSA, you know they're going to play downhill. How do you take advantage of that? You know, we didn't see a lot of Horton in the past couple games. Maybe that was weather related. Um, but and then he had what looked like the fumble, which wasn't a fumble, which I, I don't know how against Rice, but. <laughs> In a dome and a fast environment, a guy like Horton can be a difference maker in the running game. So maybe trying to get him involved. Obviously, they don't, you know, trust Earl. You know, they trusted him in the Western Kentucky game, but then they haven't trusted him really like since. So he's another wrinkle that I think you could throw in there in this type of game to just just mix it up. Maybe it's, you know, one or two plays or something to try and generate some type of running game versus UTSA but Uh, again it's just it's just I I don't I don't know how UTSA is going to defend us if if I was UTSA I would not I would try to be more balanced defensively and not solely focus on the run yeah I and I I think that was special for North Texas because North Texas had ran for 340 against them the year previous so they came into that one saying we are, we're going to get beat, that's fine, but we're not going to get beat on the ground. It's not going to be 340. And so that was what that was about. And then, so I, I don't know that you can generate that same kind of deal. Maybe you can. I don't know. I think for them, they're going to say, let's not get beat over the top. We're not letting this tight end run and then flap his wings in the end zone again. And it's not going <laughs> to happen. And so I think there are going to be opportunities to run for a lot of reasons. One is that, like I said, I don't think UTSA is going to play downhill. You're right. I also don't think that North Texas – like the taste in their mouth, right? Uh, Ragsdale, I mean, uh, Johnson said that at the press conference. He was like, obviously, as running backs, that's not something we like, right? 22 yards rushing. Uh, we take that personally. They've been working on it. They want to they wanna do better. Uh, the run game has struggled a little bit. hasn't been, you know, as dominant. But also, you're not playing Louisiana Tech, which is the worst run defense in the league. You know, Louisiana Tech will let me go out there and run 500 yards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're awful. Uh, and I felt bad for them. They had their best running back go against them. <laughs> he ran for 272 against them. Um, uh, you know, I'm talking about Dwayne McBride for UAB. So I, I, here, here's the thing about Stone Earl. I think he would have played, 
But one thing, again, this stood out a little bit more watching the game again, is that North Texas was pinned so far back. I think at the time, remember Mason White Bar uh, Bo was tweeting about that. He was like, have we been outside of the 30-yard line, like all game? Uh, it was just so evident. And there was one time where we got a first down but got called for holding. Right? We, we got the ball like the 15, got a first down, got called for holding. And so it was like first and 10 from the 15 again. You know what I mean? <laughs> like after all that. And so you're a little bit more conservative in that area anyway. And it, they, North Texas was pinned so far back so often that they had to be more conservative. If I remember right, and I'm, I think it was like the two or three series that Stone Earls played, it's always come like 50-plus, right, in plus territory. And so, and I'm all right, so how often was North Texas in plus territory? I think it was just twice. Once after that Rod Burns 50-yard catch, right, that flipped the field, the next play was the throwback toss to the tight end. So Robert scores in one play. So the Stone Earl doesn't get an opportunity. And then the next one was under two minutes after Gums gets it down to the five or whatever. And at that point, I'm not bringing in Stone Earl either. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it was just like Stone just didn't get out. He didn't get the right, you know, it's like, it's like a hitter. We didn't bring the pitcher in because we didn't get the right, you know, situation for him. Didn't have the right matchup. I mean, that, that that's understandable. It's just, in my mind, you know, I'm just thinking of ways that Seth Luttrell, like, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, like, you know what you're going to get from Seth Luttrell and the staff. But this is the type of game where you can't just be that. You can't, you got, it doesn't have to be a ton of wrinkles, right? But it has to be one or two things that throw UTSA off their game. They're like, hey, we did not prepare for this. Yeah. And I think the staff is capable of doing that. They showed it. And, and some of the stuff that they've done, the uniqueness with, you know, the wheel routes with the tight ends, stuff like you, you guys have mentioned all year long. So I, I think there there could be something there and, and hopefully it, you know, results in, you know, positive big plays for you. Right. Here's a free one, Mike Blush, because I'm sure you listen to this show. I'm sure he's number one subscriber. Um, you get Gunnell, you get Reuter, you get Stone Earl, and you get Asanani all in the field at the same time. They don't know who's going to get the ball, right? They're all lined up there, and you just throw it. <laughs> Max protect, and they just throw it up to, to short on the side, yeah? <laughs> so I, I tweeted it out. I don't know if you saw it um, this past week. Kansas, they ran like a reverse boot with Jason Bean. So they put Jason Bean in motion, and, it, you know, he was coming across, and they handed it to him, and then he turned around and booted back out the way that he came from motioning and then threw a pass. Like, see, that's a Stone Earl package right there with Austin Ani or something. You do the motion, hand it yeah. off to him. He boots out, hits your tight end or something. Like, see, to me, that's that's you know, that's some you know ingenuity right there. <laughs> I like it. I mean, yeah, we already tried the the Wild Eagle or whatever it was, the snaps to to Ragsdale. I'm glad we sort of put that down. I like the Stone Earl package because it's aggressive. Because Stone Earl, he runs like uh, he's trying to earn the job. He's like, Coach, put me in. I'm going to run through this guy. I don't need, you know, I don't even need pads. You don't even give me pads. I'll be faster without pads. He runs like that. Uh, and I don't know. Something's going to happen. Here's the deal. UTEP got to, to Frank Harris. I like that. Um, Tom Trebe, he got hands on Frank Harris. He, he's not the fastest. North Texas is going to have to spy them, but I know they have to, like, mix it up. North Texas does a good job in, like, quarters coverage and, and like, their, like, um, their very sound pressure schemes, right, where you have a linebacker run, fit in the gap, so then no, no gap is unaccounted for. 
But a guy like that, he'll break that team, right? He'll be like wrapped up, move out of the way, sprint around. All of a sudden, you lose gap integrity just because you're not fast enough to get there. And then you have quarters coverage. You have the guy bottled up, but now the angles change and the guy's more open than than you planned for. North Texas did a good job of stopping those plays. I can, um, top of my head, count like three plays where they got out and he did something. North Texas was also very lucky because I think one of those he misfired. Uh, overthrew the guy. Uh, he also missed the guy in the end zone. He left points on the field. But that's also what he does. Like, Frank Harris will make plays, but he'll also make mistakes because he's trying to make plays. I think North yeah. Texas has to be, like, take advantage of those things, you know? Um, Ridge Tejada is our best interceptor of passes, but <laughs> we know other guys can get there. Um, like, for me, I, I wrote in the preview that you got to stay on your feet you can't dive, you know what I mean? That seems counterintuitive to be, like, aggressive, but then standing on your feet. I think it just, it's a little bit like Garden Barry Sanders, that they used to say, he's like, just stay there, he'll come back to you kind of deal. It's like, once you start moving, then you get out of position, you're chasing him, and, and he's winning the game. Uh, Frank Harris is dangerous. He's the most dangerous guy in the field. I, like, if they want to hand the ball off 35 times to their Kavorian Barnes and Traylon Smith, whatever, that's fine, you know? Like, I don't know that those guys are college football stars in Conference USA, and so if you want to prove to me that they are, sure, right? But I know that <laughs> Frank Harris is a college football star at the Conference USA level. He's won a title. He's been on the Walter Camps and all the other award lists. He can, and so I don't want him to. I know North Texas did a great job holding him to sub-250 passing. He ran for 70 yards, but it was not game-breaking. Like, he ran for a first down. Made him work. Made him earn it. And he did earn it, right? He threaded the needle to the tight end, one-handed lefty, lefty catch. That just you get beat by that. Uh, same deal I said on the last podcast. If we get beat because Frank Harris outran four of our best pass rushers, threaded the needle forty yards down the field, and the guy made a diving catch in the end zone, whatever. You know what I mean, you say great game, that was fun, and uh, you know I hate this. <laughs> I hate I hate this team. <laughs> you know, I hate your team. Yeah, but, but I mean, you know, like last time, yeah, he did all that, but there was missed opportunities for UNT earlier in the game, a missed oh, throws yeah. from on in. So um, this week, um, this past week, Michigan playing Ohio State, um, and they're talking about motivation before the game. And Urban Meyer, you know, he was like, what what wins you this game is not the motivation. You're, you're going to be motivated, right? Both these teams are going to be motivated to play each other. They don't like each other. It's like what wins you is your ability to focus on the details and your assignments and the ability to execute in the moments that are, that, you know, you have to. And so that's, what's going to be the separating factor. UNT did not execute in the key moments last time. Can they come back and do it this time? So I don't really trust North Texas to take full advantage early. Like you look at, like UTEP, UTEP went up twenty four nothing. I watched a little bit of that game, um, and you know I rewatched the, the the beginning of it, and you know they they hit a couple plays, they got it, they were up twenty four nothing, and they started making mistakes, and they just couldn't score because they're UTEP and they're not very good. You know they missed passes, holding this guy was not open, ran the wrong route, you know interception returned all for a touchdown, and you're like, if they were better, more disciplined, and you said pay attention to details, they would have won that game. North Texas is weird. This this version of North Texas is weird because they make those kinds of mistakes, but they make them early, and then they they kind of come out like looking at the Rice game, most recent example, down seventeen fourteen, 
haven't really played a very good game. Punt a lot, a lot of mistakes, you know, it's cold, whatever, injuries, whatever you want to ascribe it to, but just you're down, right? The situation is you have a conference championship berth on the line and you're down to a very terrible team. And then North Texas, seven plays, 75 yards, six of them rushes, and then a one little pass to a Cockeragsdale touchdown. When it comes down to it, and you need them to score a touchdown against Conference USA competition, they've they've stepped up. Down 14 nothing to UAB. That looks like they're gonna go up 40 to nothing in the first half. They scored 21 sh- points straight, right? Get up the lead. And then that second half, you're like, well, what about that? I thought that was a little weird that North Texas sort of pulled the, you know, they they ran into a situation. I want to talk about this a little bit later, where they were not like UAB was not saying, okay, we're going to stop the run. So they were not getting close, and then you can't hit them over the top. And so without those big plays, Austinani, the run game, everybody, they had to execute. And I don't know that North Texas is so great at executing, right? We're not great. We're not going to do 13 plays, 75 yards. <laughs> we do six. We do four. I don't know about 13. And so you, and then we get to situations, third and one, fourth and one. And at those times we're like, okay, let's punt it. We'll live the fight again. We're trusting the defense, which I don't think was bad. But, you know, UAB scored a field goal, a field goal, then a touchdown, then a touchdown. We were wearing out our own defense, and the offense wasn't doing them any favors there. And then when it came time to do it, they just weren't ready. They just lost on a fourth and one. Um, and, you know, so that was a little bit unique, and UAB is a very good defense. It was cold, all these other things. And this game against UTSA, down three times in the second half, down a touchdown, right? You know, you need a score. They go score a touchdown, right? Um, touchdown to to Roberts. Okay, then UTSA scores again after a back and forth. They both punt. North Texas touchdown gums. Okay, UTSA back and forth. They score a touchdown. Two minutes ago, you absolutely need a score because they just scored a touchdown on you. Gums down the field. Isaiah Johnson scores a touchdown. You know, like those are super clutch plays that I don't know in all of Seth Latrell's time. I can remember a consistent team doing that. Like we've, we've done it in a couple games, maybe one or two games. But I don't know in two different games. That we're like, you know what? Look at that team. Stepping up when it's time to score a touchdown. They came up. And then it's uh, the quarterback nobody likes. Everybody loved Mason Fine. Nobody likes Austin Ani. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Austin Ani might break Mason Fine's record this week. He also might win a conference championship. Something Mason Fine never did, right? <laughs> and so there's an argument to be made by maybe a trollish podcaster somewhere. They'd say, you know what? Austin Ani is a better North Texas quarterback than Mason Fine, at least in the one-year measure. And I he don't think he is clearly. <laughs> I had mentioned this somewhere. He is clearly our version of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like that is what he is, and I I would live for the day for him to walk off the field and just be telling people, "You like that? You like that? Like, you know, like I, that's how I want, I want him to him do that. His I want him to do that." In the Alamo Dome. I want him to grab the mic from Judy and be like, You like that? Huh? Austin Audi says hello. You know, I like that. <laughs> That's I have, how a, I want him I to have a mortgage and I have a conference championship, ladies and gentlemen. That would be great. It's adulting right there. <laughs> I have to put some icy hot on my knee and, you know, fill out my Christmas cards, send them out, put them in the mail. Uh, yeah. I I, that, I think that's good, and also it's bad because it's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I don't think Kirk Cousins are good. I mean, it it's a it's quite the contrast, right? That Frank Harris has won everything. He's a dynamic guy. You need it's a clutch situation. Get him the ball, right? 
Um, you know, the whole team believes in him. Austin on, everybody's like, uh, I don't know where he's going to throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, like at least the fan base. We're kind of like, uh, this could go anyway. Nobody really credits him for what he's done. And I think it's a little bit disservice to him, but also it's, it's partly his, his own doing. He's done a lot of interceptions, uh, a lot of passes, bouncing has, the dirt, that yeah, kind of deal. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he's been up and down, up and down. But again, you know, we, we talked about it earlier. He's a mature dude. Right. Yeah. So those situations, you know, where where it's, you know, games on the line, you know, maybe it's not that, that difficult to him because, you know, he has a kid in a mortgage and that's maybe <laughs> way more difficult than, you know, throwing a football pass down the field. I don't know. I, I you know, he he takes a lot of flack and some of it's deserved and some of it's not deserved. Right. You know, he's not he's not a bad dude. He looks like a good dude. Right. He looks like the teammates, they trust him. Yeah. So I'm I'm hopeful. I I think he deserves to go out with a conference team. Like this dude deserves to win on Friday. He's taken enough crap throughout his time. He deserves one. I don't disagree. I think that is that sums it up, right? I, there's a lot of it. You can like his. I don't like putting narratives on the season. Like when you look back, it all makes sense. You can be like, oh, it's a vindication season for Seth Luttrell and Austin Ani. Can you believe that people were questioning these future conference championship winning people? Uh, yeah, because at the time they weren't conference championship winning people. At the time, they were throwing interceptions to Memphis or to UNLV and getting run off the field. And nobody could see what they were doing. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of give Seth a a hard time because he's up there in a the press conference like, oh, people are going to talk mess about you when you're having a hard week. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you get blown out by 40 points, man. It, you know, people are unhappy with that. Um, but at this point, they're winning. Let's give them the praise. I thought that the Rice game was awful. It was awful offensively. And I feel like you get a little past because those Thanksgiving games, if as long as I've been watching football, it's just a different team out there. You know, and like half of them ate too much pie or something like that. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like cold. Nobody's been at school all week. It's just weird. And so you get wild results. And outside like a, you know, uh, Ohio State Michigan game. And and so after that's done, you're like, okay, you can kind of settle in. It's a little bit more normal now. Maybe now people going back to school or something. But whatever it is, um, I think North Texas has a good shot in this one. I think, I think who I think if North Texas wins, it's going to be a close game, and if UTSA wins, it's going to be a blowout. Like it, it, just because, I think whatever whatever tools North Texas tries and be prepared. If they're like, hey, let's try something out of the box, try to go for a win, and it fails, and now we're kind of behind the ball a little bit, sort of like they did against UAB. I didn't really hate that they tried to throw the ball a lot because I saw they were going for something. It didn't work out, and you go down 14. Okay. I like that they bounced back. That was big. That was huge. Um, I said it, one way, one, one Plinko path I see this going is like a UAB version where you know we score some points early, and it looks like we're in it. And then we just can't we we can't make an adjustment or something maybe because we just don't have the dudes. We're like, you know, it'd be great if we had a healthy Attaway in this situation, but we don't. And then, you know, so then we don't have the full options. And we're like, well, we're gonna try to fake it, but we don't think that you're going for this fake. And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, they're just waiting on. They're sitting on a play. And so then we can't score, and then they win forty-one to twenty, something like that. I can see that happening. I think if we win, it's because we're scoring. 
we go up by like 10 or something like that, and they make a scary run where we're holding on to our our seats or something like that, squeezing your popcorn. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a lot more points than there was last time. That's how that's how I view it. Um, I'm getting getting a little sports nervous again right now. I can imagine it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I mean, here's the deal: like, is it going to be a gut punch to North Texas fans if they lose this game? Yay or nay? No, it's just it's a it's just a missed opportunity. I, I mean, you you uh, you want them to win so you can talk crap <laughs> to UTSA fans, right? But I mean, like. They're the ones that have the pressure. It's in their home stadium. They're the ones that want the championship parade after, you know, you win a conference championship. So, no, I mean, it would be it would be a disappointment from a UTSA side. I think the players for North Texas, yeah, they're going to be disappointed if they lose, understandably so. But for UNT fans, right, it's just another missed opportunity for Seth Luttrell. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like it's a little hard to say – Hey, if you win, you get an extension. You lose, you get fired. A little bit, um, Doc Holiday, like they did for Marshall, where he lost the conference championship game, and then they fired him after, or they didn't renew his contract, whatever. I think it's a little rough. Uh, also, that one was at home, and so maybe it was a little bit different there. But uh, you know, I, I think Latrell's done well. You know, he found a quarterback that could do well enough. You know, we, we talked about this. I think the team was a quarterback away. Asanani made a lot more mistakes early. And since then, you know, he's had a at least set the single season touchdown passing record, which I think has been a big part of this. Uh he's thrown for multiple three hundred yard games. I think he has the only the second four hundred yard game. Um I think he has one or two and then fine has three or something like that. You know, he's he's hit a lot of these these milestones. That, that are good quarterback milestones at North Texas. Maybe not nationally, but at North Texas, yes. And I don't know. I, I don't think this, this is a bad spot to be. You can beat them. Like, UTSA's favored. They're a better team top to bottom, you know, like looking at the talent. all You know, that guy has more stars than this guy just all the way through. But I really like the way North Texas plays. I think a lot of guys that were maligned on our squad, Sean Thomas Faulkner, you know, nobody liked his hyphen. And they're like, oh, is that guy any good? But I think he's turned out to be a very solid player for North Texas. Tom Tree, he got a lot of like, what is this guy doing? He's not the Murphy Twins. But I think he's developed into a very good uh, defensive end for North Texas, like the brush defensive end. Uh, Mason Richards. Yeah, you, yeah, go ahead. Are you going to say anything positive about Quinn Whitlock? He sure is there. He knows the place. <laughs> he knows where he should have <laughs> been. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he was... Everybody's talking about that one UAB play. I thought he could have ran harder, but also I don't know what's happened there. Like whatever. He also I think he was out the next week, and then he's he was back last game. Um, I the the secondary's thin. Ridge Tejada stepped up, and he's been very good. Maybe the best corner. He's a field corner out there. Gaddy was poor. He got burnt by SMU, but he stepped up. He did well against Memphis. I think he got an interception against Memphis. Um, and then, like, he's just, you know, play after play. Against UTSA, he was, like I say, he's guarding the best dude. If after that Memphis, uh, after that SMU game, I was thinking UTSA is going to kill us. Zachary Franklin is going to go for 150 on this dude. And it didn't happen. He bottled him up, locked him up. They, they, uh, they had him. I don't know how well North Texas matches up with Cardenas when he's running that seam route because 
Katie Davis was running step for step with him, and yeah, that guy just has amazing hands. I don't, I don't know, but are they going to throw seven catches? You know, he's going to do uh, Travis Kelsey to us? Not really. <laughs> I mean, but you know, he's dangerous. I don't know. They they lost their tight. Uh, it was pretty awful. The tight end broke his leg. Uh, I forget. It was like their backup guy, Chilwell or something like that. I forget his name. But they're hurting too. Their offensive line, they're shaky. They're down some depth positions at receiver, um, at at tight end. Their safety, Rashad Wisdom's out. They have a backup out there. I you know, I, I think their secondary is weak and vulnerable. They have a re- very deep linebacking core and a very deep defensive uh, like front three, front four, and I think that's their strength. You know, we're talking about like. If you're the UTSA defensive coordinator, how do you do it? I think maybe I say, hey, I like my strength here, and we could just play base defense and maybe maybe just give a little help to the secondary a little bit. Keep it all in front of them and see if Rod Burns can catch 14 catches for 110 yards. You know? that's, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Um, I don't know. You have a prediction for the game? I already wrote the big thing, and I have the prediction, so you got to get on record. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, so North Texas is going to win, <laughs> and then Seth Luttrell is going to take the Tulsa job. Why Tulsa? That's not. I don't see that's a step up, but I mean, I guess maybe he takes a Colorado job. Yeah. I think it's going to be like one of those things where, like, you should have given me the the extension and you didn't, and now I'm I'm leaving, and I won, and now I'm gone. It, the funny thing is, I think there's a lot of North Texas fans that would say, that's fine. And I don't think either, like, saying, oh, I wish you would have stayed, or I'm happy that he's going after a win, would be bad. Um, Just, you know, like, for a lot of things, I think there's a there's stuff about the program, like, are people excited about going to bowl game? No, they're not, because I think they're just a little bit there. You lose a little bit of excitement. I, I joked about Louisiana Tech, but you fired a coach because he went 3-9 for the first time. And then they hired a new guy, and he goes three and nine. But I think if you ask Louisiana Tech fans, they're, they're more excited about the three and nine this year than they were about the three and nine last year. And sometimes it's just a new voice telling you the same stuff, like, hey, you know, we're gonna play the right way. And then another guy goes, hey, we're gonna play the right way, and you're like, I like that guy. He sounds better. So sometimes it happens. I mean, but yeah, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna leave, do it with a conference championship. Yeah, again, it's getting a little too far off, but you know if. I think Ren Baker, if he were to get rid of Seth Luttrell, like actually like let him go, like let's say they lost or something or got blown out. Yeah. And he said, well, you're not coming back next year. Like I, I think he would already have a plan for who he's going to hire. Like the, the guy, it would already be lined up. It'd be like, you know, Justin Fuente or, or somebody like that that's already out on the market. He's like, I've already talked to the agent. It would be bam, bam, and we're moving on. And it wouldn't be like, you know, Louisiana Tech, you know, they got rid of Skip Holtz, and he was a model of consistency there, right? But then, then they went through an actual search to find somebody. It wasn't like they had a plan yeah. to replace him. And so I think, like, it's a little bit different here because Ren Baker seems like the type of dude that has a plan when it comes to this this coaching, whatever is going to happen in the future. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can get that. I, I mean, everybody loves his basketball hire, including myself. And I think for good reason. And with that, we'll transition to the basketball team. Um, so North Texas is uh, coming off the the loss in the 
Uh, what is it called? The Bahama. Yeah, it was the Bar Bahamar Championships. Bahama. Yeah. In in the Bahamas, yeah. there was like multiple tournaments that were down there. Yeah, I mean, there were like Feast Week had a lot of games. It was like Phil Knight Invitational, Phil Knight Classic, and then just Phil Knight playing basketball in his backyard. It was just kind of you know you didn't know what was happening. Everybody's having a tournament. Um, so we played San Jose State, Long Beach State, and then we lost to UNT Wilmington. So you paid your money out of your pocket. You took you took money out of your kids' fund, college fund, and then you put it and you put it to flow hoops. So can you tell me a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, like the first two first two games, North Texas, well, I mean, it was great. Tyler Perry, great against San Jose State. Went off for, for 35 points. They had no answer for him. I mean, he was 7-7 seven to seven <laughs> and just absolutely just dominated the game. And then, you know, it wasn't like San Jose State played bad because they shot the ball well. Like they were still, they were like over 50%. I think it was close to like 58% shooting from the field which is really good but they had 20 turnovers so north texas ended up with like 20 more shots than them from the field and that was the difference and north texas made their shots they played well they shot threes and tyler perry then you got into the long beach state game and that was it was an interesting game because uh, long beach state was kind of like a middle tennessee um because they were long uh, long and rangy players they threw a bunch of different looks. Um, they threw some one-three-one out there. They threw some half-court traps, some full-court pressure, and they really said, "You know, Tyler Perry, you're not going to beat us. Uh, absolutely not. We're going to put you know six-foot-six guys on you. We're going to you know whenever you run your high pick and roll, you know we're just going to come at you really hard, be physical with you." And and he struggled in that game, but the benefit of the North Texas roster is now they have two guards that can create Kai Huntsbury. He played extremely well in that game and Long Beach state had no answer for him. And the same thing with like Usman, he finally stepped up and he had a really good game and he played well. So, you know, going into, and those teams were probably better than UNC Wilmington. I, I Long Beach state was ranked better than UNC Wilmington. Um, there was nothing that stood out on paper about UNC Wilmington that was great. Um, they they weren't a really good offensive team. They really weren't a good defensive team. They weren't a great shooting team. Two, three, they didn't really have like a, you know, some standout mid-major guard, but they just had a, it, it was almost like, and most people won't get this reference, you know those like big East teams like a St. John's, where you just had a bunch of scrappy dudes that were like, you know, playground type of guards that all they did was just create for themselves. And they were just up in your face all night long. Like that's what they were. Yeah. Like they, Graham McCaslin, the, the team slogan, toughest team wins. UNC Wilmington, way more tougher than North Texas, which was shocking. Like their guard, it was a close game back and forth. And then in the second half, their guards just like took over and they didn't really like take over shooting. They just took over just beating up Huntsbury and Perry. And it just, you know, those two guys, they just kind of seemed out of out of sync, um, especially Perry. He just, he really struggled to find his game. Um, it was a chippy game. There was a lot of trash talk between both teams. <laughs> there was a, a flagrant foul called on Aaron Scott that we have no idea 
what that was, you know, what he did. He must have had an elbow um, above the um, above the neck or shoulder area. Uh, but yeah, there was just a lot of trash talk, and it just like, dude, they just they brought it to North Texas, like just absolutely. Yeah, and with all that said, like you describe it as like, oh, we must have blown out. We lost by four in that one to UNT Wilmington. Yeah, well, so it was tight. And North Texas, you know, made a little bit of, uh, you know, they made a run. They made, Perry finally started to hit some shots at the end of the game. He made some threes. And um, UNC Wilmington missed a couple of the front ends of their free throws. And yeah. and that's what, what made it close there at the end. But there was a stretch where it was like a, a two-point game. Um, and they were about to go to the under four timeout. And I, I think I tweeted, I was like, well, either the North Texas guards are going to take over this game or it's going to be an L. And after that timeout, the UNC Wilmington guards, they uh, they stepped it up even more. UNC Wilmington went on a 7-0 run, and, and that was it. Like, it was just, you know, it it went the way we saw the Louisiana Tech game go last year at the end. Yeah. It just, there was no offensive creation. And, and it was it was weird because guys, except for Perry, Perry didn't get a lot of great shots. Um, but Huntsbury, Edie, Martinez, they got good shots. And then there was a lot of – there was inconsistency for the refs. I'm never one of those guys that blames the refs for anything. I felt like the chippiness, like they 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 took it out on North Texas. They felt like North mm-hmm. Texas initiated the chippiness. Yeah. And so when there was a questionable call, it was going against North Texas. Like they, they thought that, hey, these UNT guys are initiating the trash talk. They're initiating the physicalness and the chippiness and the pushing. So if it's a close call, I'm going to call a foul on you. Like there, there was one play where a UNC Wilmington guy is on a fast break going to the rim. Huntsbury, beautiful play, knocks it out of his hands. They call a foul. Same thing, other way. North Texas, Usman's going to the basket. They knock it out of his hands. There's no foul. So like, you hate to see that, um, but hey, it happened. The other big thing was like the court was just, it was slippery, extremely slippery. And I think I tweeted it out the first game was, you know, somebody's going to get hurt yeah. on this court because there was so much slippage. They didn't even have the, you know, they, how they have the broom that has the big pad on it to help drive the sweat. They didn't have that. <laughs> Everybody was out there on towels. Grant McCaffrey, his whole staff is like on the ground scrubbing up the floor. Jeez. And then by the last game, they took a, just a regular broom and wrapped <laughs> towels around it and taped it. <laughs> and then just, you know, Aaron Scott, the, the way that he plays the game yeah. is a little bit out of control. Yeah. And there was multiple times where, you know, you're like, oh, my God, is he okay? And then he eventually got hurt. But he came back in the game, and it was a knee injury. So hopefully he's okay. Um, the Huntsbury was just walking to his team's huddle and just slipped on the floor and looked like he, you know, tore something in his knee. Jeez. He was okay. Uh, the one that was concerning was Ruben, and and hopefully he's okay. Somebody rolled into his knees um, on a shot at the end of the game, and it it was kind of frustrating because. He went down, and no North Texas player went over to go check on him. And I know that's kind of like petty of me to like bring that up, but I'm like, this dude is your brother. You know, we saw it. Anytime one of their guys goes down, they're always there. Like they yeah. have a great team com- camaraderie. Like you can see it. And it just felt like the frustration of the game. They didn't go 
check on their dude, Ruben. That I, it may be petty, but it it bothered me some. Well, I think those kinds of things are learning opportunities, right? Like you play a game like this now, so that way you don't play a game like this, or you don't lose a game like this in the league tournament or something like that. Like you mentioned a couple things, like the you know chippiness. It's gonna get chippy with UAB. It's probably gonna get chippy with like uh, like a, a UTEP because they, they play real you know aggressive that kind of stuff. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is gonna be like that. They they play that same zone stuff. Like it, it it's gonna be a fight, and I think getting in this one where like the conditions are very bad, right? You know it's gonna be, you know, uh, you know that you're slipping and falling, maybe getting hurt a little bit. It's gonna be a better situation in the conference uh, season, and so you're you know mentally ready about it. I'm sure somebody. Coached up the whole squad, like you, some of my falls, you pick them up, don't let them get to you, we let them get, you know, all that good stuff. Now's the time to do it. So I, that's what I take away from it. Um, yeah, I, I think for the most part, UNT did hold their composure yeah. at times. Yeah. Um, but again, it just goes back to these, you know, the first two games against San Jose State and Long Beach State, there wasn't a lull in the offense. Like, you know, when, when Tyler Perry and, and Ruben Jones came back, um, against Fresno State, um, you know they played well to start the game, and then there was that that brief four minute period before halftime where they really didn't score and they let Fresno State back in that in the game. Well, these first two games, San Jose State, Long Beach State, there was no real ball because Perry would, you know, he was making offensive plays in the first game, like I said, and Huntsbury in the second game, and then in the third game, it, you know, there was nobody, and I felt like. They went away from Usman missed some some chippies earlier. Like he's been doing that a lot lately, which is it's been a trend now. So that's kind of concerning. But I feel in those moments when you're struggling to create a shot, if you're a guard and you have a guy like Usman, you, you have to go to him, right? Yeah. You just and because he can, he's going to get easy shots. Eventually, they're going to fall. And I mean, we we got so many offensive rebounds in that game, and just could not convert. And, and they got to figure out. I know I'm rambling on here. They got to figure out a way to get J, you know Mar- Jaden Martinez going. He's you know he had the good games when Ruben and um, Tyler Perry weren't there. He, yeah, he struggled. Had, he was zero for three, right in uh, in the championship game. Yeah, but he was like zero for twelve throughout the whole tournament. And he got good looks too. And he's really that, that guy off the bench where they, they need some offense from him because the the way that they play him, the screens, the high screens, he's doing a lot of that a pick and pop type of guy. Yeah. You know, if teams are gonna hedge extremely hard to take the ball out of Tyler Perry's hands or out of Huntsbury's hands, he's gonna be the guy that's gonna be standing there open at the top of the key like Thomas Bell was. And teams were just sagging off of him and saying, well, you can beat me from out there if you want to, but I'm not going to let you drive on me. Martinez is a guy that throughout his career shot above 40% or close to 40% from three-point range. So we know he's capable of doing that. And it's just a matter of him, you know, hitting his shot. Same thing with Edie. I think Edie is, his role is becoming more clear. Like he, he plays more comfortable out there. He knows, like, hey, I'm that guy that's, you know, I'm going to get some open shots out here, and I know when to take them, but I'm here for my defense, right? The thing that they had a, a great stretch with him where, you know, they put him in the post uh, for one possession 
against um, uh, UNC Wilmington, and he went, scored, got an and one, and then they took him like right out of the game. <laughs> and that was that was a little frustrating uh, that I thought to. Yeah, um, but he's the type of guard that can, you know, be physically overpowering to a few other players. The same thing with like Honesberry. You know, he's 6'3", 215, and, I mean, he he can bowl people out of the way. And that's going to be unique when we get, like, you know, I, I like to look at the matchups down the road, like against UAB. Obviously, you got a guy like Jelly Walker. He's not going to be able to guard Kai Huntsbury. Same thing with Eric Gaines. There are other extreme, extremely good guard, you know, who can jump out of the gym. But he can't guard Kai Huntsbury because Huntsbury is just going to take them both down into the paint and get whatever shot he wants against them. So those matchups down the road, we'll have plenty of time to talk about. But it's just – it's fun when you, you watch our team and, and how they start to develop and see what it will look like against some of the Conference USA competition. Uh, so I'm just looking at the notes uh, – the not the notes, the stats here. Uh, Martinez has three scoreless games as a North Texan. Uh, and he had three games, 10-plus, right? Uh, 13 against St. Mary's, 10 and 10 against Fresno, and then Paul Quinn. Uh, also, you know, he's good to the line. He scored one point against San Jose State, which, you know, is not terrible. He only had two shots in that one. Uh, but he was taking six um, and then, like, four and two here and there. He hadn't had a scoreless game since his freshman year in 2019. when He went, like, 0 for 1. You know, he had, like, four or five uh, scoreless games. But since 2020, he scored... Basically in double digits every game, uh, 21 and then 22. He was getting, you know, in the teens every game, the occasional 20-pointers. And then last year he ended the season um, scoring, you know, in double digits every game from like February to March, like a whole month. He's, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's a competent scorer. He's got a nice shot. It's not some funky thing. Yeah. He doesn't look funky out there trying to score. He just – it doesn't feel like he's fitting in yet with what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, he's he's gotten some shots blocked at the rim. He hasn't gone up strong there. But his type of game can help take North Texas' offense to that next level. Like, they need some scoring from that four spot, you know, where Thomas Bell was. Even when Thomas Bell wasn't, you know, the primary, you know, the, the major – possession guy like he was last year the year before you know with hamlet in that group he was still that dude that could give you you know six to ten points a game he could hit a big three and i think that's kind of what you need from from Jaden martinez now is you know i need you to hit you know one or two two or three threes a game get defensive rebounds which he's been doing a great job defensively getting the rebounds and then get some putbacks on the offensive end so i I don't feel like he's far away from from doing what he's capable of, um, and that that they'll be fine. They will be yeah. fine. Yes, they had a bad game against UNC Wilmington, but I, you know, eventually these newer guys they will figure it out. I think if you take away anything, the one you know extreme positive that, that I had was was Kai Huntsbury. Out of all, and I know like his plus minus is still in the way minus, like he's the only negative guy on the team, but that was because he played so much early on without yeah. Ruben and Tyler that and it then was. They had that terrible St. Mary's game, so it just yeah. So, but his ability to 
be a second guard that creates for himself is something that they have not had, uh, you know, really ever under McCaslin. Yeah, you had Gibson, wasn't a guy that created for himself. You, had, you know, James Reese, Drizz, they were guys that were great knockdown shooters. They weren't guys that went to the rim or could just create on their own. You know, go iso ball. Yeah. Like they, they sort of could, but not in like I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I think uh, I'm just devil's argument, devil's advocate here. It's like, well, no, they could take it to the basket. Like, yeah, they could, like from a standstill, but you couldn't say, here, go get us two points. You know what I mean? Like, just throw them the ball. Right. right Right now, we don't care where Tyler Perry gets the ball. We just want him to get the ball. And when he gets the ball, we know he can do good things. Like, if it's coming off a curl or at the top of the key, um, you know, like bring the ball up court, any of those positions where, like, we're comfortable with him getting the ball because good things can happen. Everybody else, you're like, well, we want Mardrez coming off a curl, catch and shoot. If not, then attack. And then if that doesn't happen, kick the ball out and we'll reset with the offense. Like, yeah, see, what I, I would have liked to seen some of that in the championship game because you saw Kai struggling. <clears throat> you saw um, Perry struggling, right? So you kind of needed those to look at those external guys. I felt like Perry and Kai, too much dribbling, too much one-on-one stuff. The ball early in the game was moving. It was popping. They were finding each each other. They were finding open shots for people. Then when it became difficult in the second half, they were each trying to take it upon themselves to make a play for the team, but not really use the team. It wasn't like a pass. It was, you know, Perry taking a contested shot, Kai taking kind of a contested shot. Instead of maybe you're like, hey, I know that Ed hasn't made a lot of shots, but I know he's a really good shooter. Maybe we run something for him, um, some type of screen action, like you said, down screen, pop out, get him a three. Or, you know, same thing with Jaden Martinez. Even though, again, he was struggling, you do those same type of things. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that those are um, those are bad ideas. Like, I mean, what's the deal? It's early. There's only, they've only played, what, seven games? And then of those, like you said, only like five of them have been with the roster that we expected. And so I think there's some time like between those two guys saying, hey, when you're doing that, I'm actually open here, right? Like stuff that's beyond what the coaches are saying. They're like, give me the ball here, and I'm going to, you know, like that kind of stuff. They have to build yeah. that, that kind of thing together, and it, 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 it takes time. And so and there's, there's also some hesitation from those other guys, like to – to, to pull the trigger, to make yeah. the, to say like, hey, I, I am open, and if you pass me, I will shoot the ball. You see a lot of guys, they're open, and they get it, and then they don't shoot it because they don't really feel 100% comfortable. Yeah, and those are the kinds of things where, like, they have to just blow up, right? You, we need Jaden Martinez to score like 25 in a game where he's just hitting everything, and you're like, you know, he hits like seven or something like that. Um, uh, and you're like, okay, and then everybody's like, yeah, when you do that, we know you can hit it. Gives him confidence, but then also gives everybody else confidence to say, "No, no, no, you shoot that every time." And so then he can find a little rhythm. Um, coming up, it's uh, what Nebraska Omaha uh, at home, UT Arlington away on the sixth of December. December tenth uh, is the start of the the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame Jerry Colangelo Classic in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, okay, we're gonna play. We're gonna play there. Uh, and then the conference season starts a little earlier this year, December 2nd, away, San Antonio, Texas. 
take on the worst team in the league, I think, in UTSA. Yeah, it means you won to start, but then you come back and you get, <laughs> I mean, arguably, as this season has unfolded, the team that's maybe playing better than anybody else. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. we, we mentioned this before, right? Florida Atlantic has basically everybody back, and they didn't have Mike Forrest there. You remember Mike Forrest? He's been there for t- 32 years. And so he's, you know, he was out. I think it was like disciplinary stuff. Whatever they have, basically everybody back, and so they're they're just sort of picking up where they left off. They're very good right now. They beat Florida already, and I think if you're looking at the team, you're like, okay, UAB is number one. Then it's like Western's very talented. North Texas should be there. They have a lot of respect, but we already we're trying to integrate a lot of new guys. Florida Atlantic is not trying to integrate a whole lot of dudes. They're ready to go, and they were right there last season but for their ability to finish. And we saw that when we played them. When North Texas went to FAU, I think FAU missed like three go-ahead attempts late in yeah, the game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that on, on the last podcast. Now, where you were wrong on the last <laughs> podcast was Charlotte. Yeah. You said Charlotte was not good at all, and they played some pretty good basketball in the tournament that they were in. They looked like a different team without um, um, the guard with Young. Yeah, right. Jameer Young, and then uh, I think their other guy. The guy that I, I said his name, Trap, I think his name. I didn't say his name, but now I said his name. Like, he was maybe a little bit of a cancer in the locker room. Uh, Obviously. That team, I mean, you know, they played UMass pretty tough, and UMass is a team that we have to play coming up, and UMass is better than what their early preseason was, and that's because they have a great coach. I mean, Frank Martin is yeah. a really good coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think there's anybody you can really dismiss. Like Conference USA tightened up, right? Southern Misses, they were they were very awful. They're out of the league. Marshall was underperforming kind of team. They always could like shoot their way. Into hey, the Southern game. Miss has played good basketball too this year. Uh, yeah, against against the uh, you know they're in the Sun Belt. I don't care. I don't care about Southern Miss. They reloaded everybody, so they basically started again. But Southern Miss, when they were in Conference USA, bad basketball. Marshall, when they're in Conference USA, bad basketball. Old Dominion last three years, four years, bad basketball. Uh, they had no offense, basically. They'd play defense. They would run, like, this tight set where they have guys coming off curl screens at the free throw line, you know, like it's, you know, 1986 uh, or something like that. It's crazy. Um, I think it's tightened up. Rice, no defense. UTSA, no defense and a little offense. FIU will, will run at you the whole game. UTEP's going to press you. Charlotte, they have a little system. They might be good. Tech has talent. Western has a lot of talent. FAU, North Texas, UAB, middle. That's that's the squad. I'm not. I don't think anybody's anybody's um, is anybody to take super lightly in this in this one. Except UTSA, we take them lightly. They suck. I'll call it now. They're going to be terrible. <laughs> They'll jump up and bite somebody, but they're going to be terrible. I think. Yeah, race is the same way. They'll they'll be terrible, but then they'll beat somebody they shouldn't. Yeah, it's just because they shoot like I don't for whatever reason it might be the scheduling thing. It's like you got to go down there like on a Thursday, so then you got to go down to Houston, and maybe you're just not ready to run with them, and then they just, they just get hot in that little gym they have. Um, you know, you're just you know like you look up, you're like, man, they're you know they do they do seven for seven or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And that uh, Max whatever is just passing the ball like he's Larry Bird or something. You know? Yeah, just except like. 
I'll go to, you know, when North Texas plays them, Tyler Perry will look up in the stands and be like, look, I'm going to show this dude something tonight. <laughs> he's going to see me. He's going to point it out. And all game long, he's just going to be pointing a finger at me. So. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't hate that. Can you make somebody on the football team mad so you go out there and they'll see you in the stands and then, then uh, you know, get you going? I will make Austin on it, man. No, because I've been <laughs> like an on dude this year. So, yeah, like, you yeah. Uh, Everybody's making jokes, and you're like, you know, Asanani completed 58% of his passes, and no one should be. <laughs> like, All right, Let's Craig, see. being a realist over here, geez. I, I feel like you would need to make somebody mad on the defense, defensive line, right? Yeah. Cause that's, like, make Katie Davis mad, and then, like, stand right behind Frank Harris, like, in a line, so he has to run through Frank Harris to get to you. And then I think KD Davis doesn't need any motivation. That dude is probably, I mean, he, he just looks like he's angry all the time. <laughs> That's what you want your middle linebacker to be, right? You don't want like a, a nice middle linebacker, you know? You know you yeah, want, uh, well, that's true. Yeah, you, you want an angry middle linebacker. Guy that's like, yeah, I don't want to eat in the same room as this guy. He might not like the way I chew my, my apple and then throw mm. me across the room. Um, all right, so there's your basketball talk. There's your Conference USA championship preview. You got our picks. I think I said in my heart, I, I think UTSA, uh, I think, well, in my heart, I think No Texas wins. I think in my head, just analyzing it straight, I think UTSA has the better squad, the advantageous home atmosphere, um, and then the better quarterback. Um, you know, the more dynamic playmaking and all that good stuff. And usually you, you can't go wrong picking the quarterback that can make plays. Um, and so for all those reasons, you know, if you want to put your money on it, I think I would suggest you do that. But if you want to lose your money, you can lose your money with me. Uh, you know, like, man, I'm, my ba- I'm going down to San Antonio. I'll be there on Thursday. I will spend my time Saturday for, uh, to Saturday. And, um, you know, I'll either be sad for uh, a night and a day uh, or I will be extremely obnoxious. <laughs> for nine <a> day, <laughs> last time I did it, like so. Here's the, here's a good feel, right? I had the same feeling as I did when we, you know, we hosted North uh, when North Texas hosted UTSA, right? Ranked UTSA team came to Denton. Mm-hmm. I flew up to Denton, flew the day of, went to the game, tailgated the whole deal, and then left at the end of the day. Um, and uh, it was great. I was obnoxious, hung out with people, but I was like, I. There's no rational reason to to say why North Texas should win this one. They started zero and six or one and six, whatever it was. Uh, UTSA is a better team. I saw them beat UAB. That UAB team just like completely dominated North Texas, right? It was like three. <laughs> you know, the the tight end was running away from our defense. I was like, there's no reason why we should win this game. And North Texas came out and punched them in the mouth, ready to play. Um, in this one, like you're just looking at it, you're like, again, you're like, I UTSA is going to be ready. They're hurt, but they're at home. They want to defend what they have. They're going to be ready to play. There's no reason why North Texas should punch them in the mouth. And for that, I say, like, when you least expect it and you think it shouldn't happen, I feel like that's when it happens, right? You know? So that that's why I'm like, I feel the same thing. It can happen. Why not play? Why not North Texas, right? Dan McCartney. We should invite Dan McCartney, the last bowl-winning coach. We should invite Daryl Dickey, last conference-winning <laughs> coach. Put him on a sideline, you know? And they can look out, you know, be, you know, just staring out there. Uh, no, invite Mattress Mac. Get them to put some money down. <laughs> North Texas wins. You get a free mattress. Yeah. I, what, what's up with that guy? Now he has like a sports site or something like that. You buy mattresses, get your hot takes, also do a little gambling. 
I don't know. That guy's crazy. He gives money to people, so I can't knock him too much, and he's a North Texas alum. But uh, he spent a bunch of money on the Cougars to win the NCAA championship. So yeah, I mean, you bet. You also bet on the uh, you know the Astros or whatever. Yeah, as he was like collecting his money, um, his winnings from the Astros, the he was collecting like forty-one million of his seventy-five that he won. He was like trying to make another one point five million dollar bet, and they had to like wake up the CEO of the casino who lived in <laughs> England because the whatever bet he was trying to make, it was the odds were like ten to one or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, boy, scared money don't make money. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you have a, a like a gambling problem, you just do it publicly where everybody's cheering you on. Maybe you know, I don't know. Uh, good on that guy. But yeah, North Texas plays UTSA this Friday, 6.30, CBS Sports Network. If you don't have it, uh, what is it, Fubo? You get the free trial in Fubo. Uh, that's, that's where I get it. You could also do the delayed. I like Fubo because it'll actually like sort of record it for you. Um, it's like, hey, you missed this game yesterday. Do you want to still watch it? You don't even record it. You can watch it that way. But it's easy to record. It's easy to watch. I have Fubo. I like it. It's great for all the sports stuff. You can even watch some stuff in 4K. I was watching... World Cup in 4K via Fubo. Pretty great. Um, what else? What else we got? Yeah. Um, 6.30. I've also heard 7 and whatever. I think the broadcast starts at 6 and the game is at 7. But don't quote me on that. Just show up. It says 6.30. Um, I bought tickets for family and friends. Uh, but I will be covering the game for MingreenNation.com. And I uh, I asked Greg, Greg's going to be covering for his CUSA report. We need somebody to cover for the other team. So he's going to burst in the locker room. Jeff Trailer, how does it feel to lose? You know, how does it feel to get uh, Seth and Joe to hand you your... I don't know. Like, I have been going over my head all week. Like, what is the question? Like, <laughs> yeah. does your team still deserve a bid in the Cotton Bowl? Or, <laughs> like, if they beat North Texas, like, do you think this is a parade-worthy celebration? I mean, I think those are good questions. I, I, I like those kinds of things. The other thing is about it is that... Uh, so here's a little inside the thing. Is I think there's a lot of this stuff that's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, if you're a long-time listener, watcher, you kind of know that I don't really take it seriously. More like... Like, I take it seriously because people are doing their jobs. I don't like to pay for people's jobs. But I also don't think that it's it needs to be this highfalutin kind of deal. Right? You have some people that treat it like they're covering, you know, the presidency. And then other people that are just fans, and those people are a little annoying to me. They're, they're like, it's just like no cheering in the press box. And they're like, oh, man, did you see? We're going to whoop them. I'm like, dude, what are you doing right now? That You're not supposed to do that. Anyway, you get you get all all walks of life on that. And um, if North Texas wins, I get to ask <laughs> Seth Luttrell, there was a rumor <laughs> that you're taking the Tulsa job. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a double G from the Migri Nation podcast uh, was quoted as saying Seth Luttrell has an offer to L- <laughs> Tulsa if he once he wins is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, whatever you you can ask it. They'll, they'll just boot me out. It's fine. Um, so <laughs> so you can expect tweets. I haven't decided how we're going to do it exactly, but you'll see it on cosareport.com, the Twitter feed, and then also the website. Last time we did the live blog, uh, I did a live blog. And that was moderately successful. Uh, some people like reading the game. A lot of people like to follow it on Twitter. There's a lot of ways to follow the game. But what you can expect is a recap and then a podcast uh, sort of afterwards, right? So you'll get all the stuff, the sights and sounds. Uh, you'll see all this stuff. Like, for example, there's a fun fact. UTS is driving against UAB. Uh, 
you know, last year. Their whole sideline is they, they thought they were gonna lose the game and they were pissed already. And they turned to the crowd and like, shut the up. Because they were cheering and yelling while like, you know, Frank Harris is trying to drive. Uh, you don't really see a lot of those things or hear a lot of those things. Um, it gives you a little insight into this stuff. That's what we'll try to bring you. You know, we're not trying to fill a, a gamer paint by numbers. So that's what you can expect, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But I, I think I'm going to let Greg go. He's looking at me. He's pointing at his watch right now. <laughs> uh, are you excited about this weekend? Are you, are you looking forward to going to San Antonio for any other reason besides the game? My birthday is on Monday, Ooh. so so maybe, you know, I'm hopeful, like, hey, this is like one of those birthday, you know, victories. Yeah. One of those chance in a lifetime, you're covering the North Texas championship game, and they win while you're doing it, and it's yeah. like your birthday present. I like that. So, I mean, yeah. I, my wife was the one that was pushing me more to do this. Um, <laughs> me, like, I'm... I'm very superstitious, and yeah. I like to wear the same things for the games. And now I'm not going to be able to do that because I'm Conference <laughs> USA report, so I have to. I can't wear a North Texas shirt while I'm watching the game. Yeah, you so can that wear, has you can been wear, a little. You can wear underneath uh, the what you call it thing. I mean, it's a little concerning to me. So uh, yeah, I respect that. I do respect that that uh, that feeling. I mean, you can wear whatever you want. I'm not, nobody's going to do it. Nobody can police you there, right? But. Um, what I was going to say, it's also the first time they played in a conference championship game. So whatever you do would be the precedent setter. You know what I mean? Like, you definitely know you watch it at home. I didn't see you covering the game when they're in Boca Raton getting whooped by Lane Kiffin. So in that way, well, you are I breaking mean, like, that. <laughs> that was different. I mean, we saw what happened earlier in the year. We knew what was going to happen in that game. They were going to yeah. get destroyed. Like, there was, there was no possibility. There was no hope. There was a little bit of hope here. Yeah, I mean, I had more hope. I thought they could make it closer than 45 to 21, whatever it was. I uh, have more know. hope now because we have Austin Oni. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was what I'm going to end with. <laughs> I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been the Mean Green Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Go Mean Green. <laughs>